Okay, back in this Thursday afternoon, and ahead, the latest on the debacle that is Sunwing Airlines. We're going to talk more about that as this is now into what? I've lost count, but day five. I think if you're a Sunwing customer and you're stranded somewhere, you've lost count of the days as well. Maybe you don't even know what day it is exactly. This after, of course, a now cyber attack. That's uh, what's uh, being, uh, we're being told is responsible for the shutting down of their computerized booking system. We're going to talk more about that and whether or not these cyber attacks, if we're going to see more and more of these, uh, this just the tip of the iceberg or more on the horizon here when it comes to upending things such as uh, travel and other businesses. We'll talk to a cybersecurity expert coming up here a little later this hour. First, so uh, new inflation numbers, they were out yesterday. Canada's inflation rate rose to 6.7% in March. That, by the way, more than economists were expecting and a full percentage point higher than February's 30-year high. Now, all eight categories of the economy, which includes everything from food to fuel, still on the rise. But the question that many of us are asking, just what exactly is driving this? What is behind these seemingly never-ending price increases? Let's welcome in David Laidler. He's a professor emeritus of uh, economics at Western University in London and joins us now for more. David, good afternoon. Appreciate your time and thanks for joining us. Good afternoon. I'm glad to be here. Okay, when we look at higher prices, a lot of the headlines, of course, particularly around fuel, has been about Russia's invasion of Ukraine. Let's start there, if we could, David. Do we know just uh, how much of an effect that geopolitical event, how much of an effect that's had on the cost of living and prices? Yeah, probably not much. And first, you've got to distinguish between high prices and rising prices, and inflation is about rising prices, okay? Um, The second thing we've got to say is that uh, what's going on in Ukraine started just a little bit over a month ago. And the rate of inflation has been rising since the late summer of 2020. This is a this is a, a trend that's been that's been present for two years now. And if you just drew a line through the dots on the paper, you wouldn't be at all surprised at, at, at the latest figure. So, are we still yet to see the price implications and effects of this invasion of Ukraine? Are we starting to see some of that now in the price of fuel, or is that still to come? Do you think? Well, you're seeing it in the price of fuel, but as far as inflation is concerned, the price of fuel is only the beginning of the story, right? Uh, There's a disruption in the market for fuel. The price of gas goes up, but uh, the people who are buying gas have got less to spend on other stuff. So pressure is taken off the market for other goods, and their prices don't rise as much as they otherwise would have done. Now, the overall inflation rate is a result of the working out of these forces month by month. So you can't just look at the price of fuel or one item. You've got to look at the overall price index. And if you look at the behavior of the overall price index, as I say, it's been rising since the middle of 2020. And what's been driving it has been government policies. Okay, well, let's talk about those policies then. What is truly behind these rising prices and the highest cost of living Canadians have seen in some three decades then? Well, it's not the highest cost of living. It's the fastest rising cost of living. I've got to reemphasize that. Well, you know, a pandemic started in early 2020 and the economy went into a tailspin. And the government of the Bank of Canada threw everything they had at it to stabilize the economy. And no one should blame them for that. Okay, Uh, 
They did it. The economy stabilized. Uh, for a while, the inflation rent actually went down to zero. But then this big injection of demand from the authorities began to take effect. And their fault was not realizing, um, in let's say the 12 months following that, that they perhaps overdone it a bit. They just went blindly on with it. And if you recall last year, the Bank of Canada was promising they were going to keep interest rates down at rock bottom until the end of 2022. Now, that really was taking a huge risk, given what a lot of the data from financial markets were actually showing. I don't know why they did that, but they were unprepared. They left the economy unprepared. And here we are today. All right. So as the government spread around a lot of cash, as you say, much needed during the pandemic for a lot of people, they should have been working, I guess, in lockstep with the bank, with the Bank of Canada or the Bank of Canada should have appreciated what was happening and going on at the time and adjusted the interest rates accordingly. And are they now playing catch up? They're very much playing catch up. And, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty. Uh, but I think what's even more worrying, more, more blameworthy, is that they didn't warn people that this was coming. So everyone was lulled into a false sense of security, including the Bank of Canada. Whether they should have started jacking up interest rates in the fall or not, I don't know. But they certainly should have started warning people that inflation was going to pick up and they were going to start seeing interest rates rising in early 2022. And they didn't do that. All right. And of course, we have seen interest rates uh, rise to a one percentage point now. Is that, uh, do you think, the prescription when it comes to uh, higher prices, uh, inflation and trying to tamp down uh, inflation? Can we expect, should we expect uh, even further interest rates, rate increases, David? And just how high do you think they will need to be in order to get this rising inflation under control? Well, you know, we Economists like to talk about the real rate of interest. That's the rate of interest you pay on your borrowing uh, adjusted for the rate of inflation. And if you think in terms of that adjusted interest rate, monetary policy actually got easier over the last month. Uh, Borrowing rates went up by about half a percentage point and the inflation rate went up by a full percentage point. So I'm afraid we've got a lot of interest rate increases uh, in the future before we get this inflation under control. That's not a very pleasant thing to say, but I think it has to be said. All right, but certainly nowhere near some of the highs, maybe uh, those that are listening, their parents paid in the 80s on their mortgage and the interest rates uh, then, because, uh, and point well taken earlier, that uh, what we're seeing right now is the uh, fastest rising increase in prices in living, but uh, we're not quite at the highest cost of living. I mean, was it uh, a higher cost of living comparatively when interest rates were around that 18%? It, you're talking to someone whose mortgage was 18% in, okay. <laughs> in the early 1980s, so I remember it only too well. No, the rate at which prices were rising at that time was well into double digits, and we're not well into double digits yet. But, you know, we're not so far away. Um, a 7% inflation rate doubles the price level in 10 years. This really is quite a serious problem we're heading into. So we're not in the kind of mess we were in in the early 80s yet. But if we don't get some pretty smart action to bring things under control, that's where we're headed. Okay, well, that brings it into context. But having said that, yes, what sort of action and immediate action 
would you expect a government to take? What sort of government uh, policies? Because I think there's a lot of people listening to us right now, David, that are saying, listen, my grocery bill is sky high. Uh, so is my fuel bill now uh, for my car. And I'm sitting there looking at my government and they're seemingly doing very little, if anything, about it right now. Well, I don't think it's a very smart idea to have government into trying to intervene in particular markets and, you know, set prices, put price prices price freezes here, there, and everywhere. Uh, There was a lot of that went on in the 1970s, and it really didn't work very well. I'm afraid we've got to wait for the monetary authorities in particular, the Bank of Canada, to bring this thing under control. And I think we've got to get used to the idea that it's not going to come under control in the next six months. This is going to take two or three years. If you reverse monetary policy that's been so easy very quickly, you're going to set the economy up for a recession, and nobody wants that. So I think the best the authorities can do is really come clean with people. This is going to go on for another another couple of years, and they're going to have to work slowly but steadily to get it under control. And that is going to involve interest rates going up pretty steadily. And I don't know uh, how high they're going to go. I don't know what the time path is going to look like. And I do hope they don't make any more promises about that time path, you know, like they did last year. We're going to keep interest rates at rock bottom until the end of 2022. That was a terrible mistake. It really was. They should have known that they were taking a risk. Yeah, and just finally here, when it comes to rising prices and inflation, of course, we're seeing this go, going on in the U.S. and around the world. So is some of this or a lot of this, considering Canada's economic size, is it out of our control? Well, the U.S. made the same mistake, except it, the Fed made made the mistake on an even bigger scale than the Bank of Canada did. And, of course, we trade internationally, and the price of a lot of the goods that come into Canada uh, is set in terms of U.S. dollars. So to that extent, what's happening in the rest of the world does affect us, and it's, it's, it's a bit effect. But, you know, we've got an exchange rate that can move, and if the Canadian dollar goes up against the U.S. dollar, that'll cushion us a little bit from offshore influences. But you're right. It's a worldwide phenomenon, and it's a worldwide phenomenon that's come from central banks all over the place making exactly the same mistakes. Those guys talk to each other every month, and they've each they've talked themselves into making a terrible mistake. And the Fed is, uh, I'm afraid, the leading culprit, but the Bank of Canada is not guiltless. All right, and we're all paying the price, or more to the point, higher prices. Uh, yes, David, <laughs> thanks. I uh, really appreciate that. That was very instructive. Put it into context. Thank you so much for joining us. You're most welcome. I enjoyed our talk. All right. David Laidler is Professor Emeritus of Economics at Western University in London. And we're back after this here on The Jeff MacArthur Show. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance (laughs) recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.